This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. It is family day, a holiday for many, but two-thirds of our Zoomer squad have taken some time out for their Zoomer radio family, and we are grateful for this. David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media, and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, a new vision of aging, both on the phone lines with us. Hi, guys. Hi, Jane. Welcome both. Happy Happy Family family Day. Day. Happy Family Day. (laughs) It's that time of year when many Canadians are booking trips to go south to escape the winter or booking trips to go skiing to embrace the winter. It's also not too early to be booking summer air travel, especially if you're thinking about Europe. Passengers are now supposed to have additional rights. As of December 15th, the federal government's new regulations have taken effect, mandating that large airlines such as Air Canada and WestJet pay up to $1,000 in compensation for a delay that's within the airline's control and not safety-related. So how is this working out? Not so well, according to published reports, which include complaints from passengers detailing their cases and questioning why their requests for compensation were rejected by the country's major airlines. This, in turn, has prompted Transport Minister Mark Garneau to advise disgruntled passengers to file a complaint with Canada's airline watchdog, the Canadian Transportation Agency. What about you? Have you experienced a delay that was within the airline's control and been ignored? Or have you been compensated? Are there some good news stories out there? 416-360-0740 or one 866 744-740, toll-free. Marissa, it sounds like uh, the regulations and recourse protocol has not yet been all that successful. Well, first of all, bravo to the government for creating this new regulation. Airlines have never been held accountable for these types of delays in the past. And as, as someone who flies fairly frequently, I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating than feeling powerless in that kind of situation. Now, what's happening here is it seems like Air Canada is violating these new air passenger protection laws. And so far as it appears to be cherry picking which customers it reimburses and which it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I read one story where, um, you know, there was a couple on the same airline and the husband was reimbursed and the flight wasn't. So that's unacceptable. Um, It seems like they're sort of erring on the side of not having to shell out money. Um, I imagine this would have a big impact on their bottom line at the end of the year. Um, But the thing is, is that, you know, these airlines, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they'll often text the reason for the delay. And if the delay is a crew constraint or some other reason that is within the airline's control, and then, you know, these passengers, they go to file their complaint and then they come back and they've got a different excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 it's obviously puzzling for the for the customer. So I think that there needs to be, you know, more consequences uh, for these airlines when they do violate it. There, you know, according to the laws, there should be a twenty five thousand vi- dollar you know fine for each violation. 
that the airline has to pay, and you know, have with over ten thousand complaints, have they had to have they had to pay any fine for violations yet? I don't know. David, what's your take on this situation? Well, it's an it's an important question because we should point out to the audience that uh, the Zoomer age group represents more than half of all flyers. So, fifty two percent of people who flew last year in Canada were Zoomers, and fifty five percent of those who were heavy travelers, five times or more, were Zoomers. So, it's very much, uh, I, I, you know, the topic of flying on a plane doesn't seem like it's an age thing, but but our age group is overrepresented uh, among among passengers, so it does affect us. And I think that this is just the latest in a long string of, you know, Marissa correctly used the phrase shooting himself in the foot. But if you, the airline industry has, in my experience, spent most of the last decade at war with its customers. And we had that terrible video from United Airlines where they dragged the person off the plane. We had the uh, dead dog in the overhead compartment. We had, you know, with, nowadays with uh, your ability to take video, you can see all these things. And here's a clear regulation that they're supposed to pay compensation. We have thousands of complaints. We don't have one or two. You're always going to have one or two because, you know, the law of average is human error, no biggie. But this looks like they were not prepared for this at all. There is no transparency as to you know how they pay, when they pay, why they pay. And I, I don't think it's good enough to say to the customers, go call the Canadian yeah. Transport Authority. I think the government should have made a case, uh, an example right away, and levied a couple million dollars worth of fines to show that it's serious. It seems to me, Marissa, that if you do file a complaint, and I did last year, this was just prior to this passenger's Bill of Rights that came out, so it was last June, and we were leaving LaGuardia Airport, and part of it was related to the airspace that was closed down because there was a helicopter crash in Manhattan, so that's legit, but the airspace was reopened, and we ended up having our flight bumped to the next day, so we had to incur the costs of a hotel and a meal or two. And uh, so that was the case that I made when I sent off all my paperwork to uh, an Air Canada office in Manitoba. Absolutely no reply. Crickets. And so my my uh, guidance or suggestion to others who would be doing the same is make sure you keep copies of everything that you send in the mail. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Good advice. I and, and and you know the other issue is is like nothing happens quickly right. when these complaints are filed. I've personally filed a complaint uh, when I was traveling once. Uh, one of the flight attendants was particularly rude to me. I was traveling on my own with my daughter, and it was just it was horrible. So I ended up filing a complaint, um, and I. Uh, you know, they never followed up with me. They never let me know what the outcome of that investigation was. You really do need to stay on top of them. But we have to remember, too, I mean, we're talking about delays. These are people's lives. Uh, they may be traveling for work. They may be traveling for a wedding. They may be traveling for a funeral. So, you know, the airlines seem to think that, you know, they can get away with these types of delays. But, they, I mean, they're playing with people's lives here. Well, exactly. Um, and And interestingly, most of the complaints involve Air Canada. And anecdotally, what I hear from a lot of people who try to deal with Air Canada customer service is that they don't seem to have the staff, David, to deal with these complaints. Staff, and I think they have a checkered uh, reputation. Um, 
you know, from the past, I, of course, they're the biggest. They're the big <laughs> target. They're the one that they get the biggest share of markets, so they're going to have the biggest share of complaints. But it doesn't look, you know, if there's people, anybody listening to this show now who works in PR or customer relations or is actually managing the the brand image of Air Canada, assuming that they care about that brand image, uh, perception is reality. And I, don't, I think their brand has all been troubled for a long time by um, uh, deserved or undeserved image of pretty much indifference to customer complaints. We're the biggest. We're here. If you don't like it, too bad. Mm-hmm. But I must say, in fairness, that uh, you could look at many other large airlines, um, particularly in the United States, and the quality of the service uh, seems to be just dropping and dropping and dropping. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Have you tried to receive compensation since this passenger air passenger bill of rights went into effect? Uh, you are due $1,000 or up to $1,000 if it was within the airline's control not to have had that flight delayed. How has your how has it played out for you successfully or unsuccessfully as it seems to be the case with many passengers 416-360-0740 toll-free 1-866-744-740 marissa you're an expert in advocacy what what would you suggest if you're receiving no response or 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 a negative response for something that you really feel was within the airline's control I'd go to the media. Mm. The very first thing I'd do, I'd go right to the media. Because it seems like at least those, I mean, there's there's usually a happy ending in the story <laughs> that, that is reported. Well, they pay up. They eventually pay up. <laughs> so if, if you aren't getting a response, it's the first thing I would do is I would go to the media and share your story. Because it creates a bit of a buzz and forces air, you know, the airline to respond. That's a great point. I mean, all those consumer type uh, shows that deal with this sort of thing here on Fight Back, we deal with it. Uh, in fact, you can email us anytime at fightback at zoomer.ca if, if you have some sort of issue related to any kind of advocacy mm-hmm. uh, where you're not where you're not being heard and your complaint is not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, David, will the airline always claim that the delays are caused by issues beyond their control? Control. Well, I think I, I think they have a very limited ability to do that. I haven't looked at the regulation, but I think that uh, most of the time these delays, most of these complaints are pretty clear cut. And I also think, to be fair, that uh, particularly Zoomers who are very experienced in travel, uh, we know the difference between what's in their control and not, and we also know the difference between uh, excuse me, circumstances changing or not. So, for example, if we push back from the gate on time. And then we're held up by ground control because of taxiing time to get out to the runway or something else happened. Well, very few people would, would, would complain. Similarly, if we are due to land and we're airborne and we're circling and air traffic control declares some sort of a slowdown because they've got to let other flights in or weather's coming in, most people are very aware that you, can't hold, you cannot hold the airline responsible for that. So these are things where the airline... Uh, could have managed its crew better or uh, the crew didn't arrive on time. Things that have nothing to do with, uh, you know, weather or other airlines or the, or the um, authorities at the airports, which, of course, do take precedence over the individual flights. And 
it's not that hard to make that distinction, is it really? No. So I think uh, I think most people are reasoning know the difference. Let's say we know the difference between um, this was something that didn't need to happen and. This is an unavoidable part of travel. The other thing you can do is if you are aware that uh, there will be delays because of weather, so you can see that there are some bad weather patterns coming in, you can call in advance and you can actually change your flight free of charge. Um, oh, that's something a lot of people wouldn't know about. <clears throat> yes. So if Good there advice. are. Good advice. Um, so you can avoid that altogether. Uh, I certainly have taken advantage of that many times because, I, you know, who wants to sit on a runway for a few hours to wait for the weather to clear? So. Right. I've also, and to the airline's credit, I mean, and this, is, uh, this was Air Canada, and again, prior to the Passenger Bill of Rights, but we were held up for 10 hours in Florida once because of an issue around crew and uh, an, an, an aircraft, and they gave us out the cards for 20% off our next flight that you could use online to book. So that was actually a bit of redemption that we didn't have to go looking for, which meant a little bit, not a lot, but a little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the issue here is, are they listening and are they responsive to your side of the story? And when they don't pay at all, or they pay one passenger some and the spouse not, or they don't even answer. I think that's what makes people, you know, infuriated. I think most people will meet them halfway, uh, particularly around issues of equipment and whether it even, even if it, in fact, even if it is within their control. Mm-hmm. The crew didn't arrive. The other plane got delayed. The inbound uh, didn't get there. Um, yes, they could have done something about it. Hey, we're sorry. Here's your compensation. Most people, you know, would go along with that. Wouldn't necessarily, you know, sue the airline into oblivion. Mm-hmm. But you need to see something coming back from them. And it looks like this was a sitting back there. The legislation was passed. The regulations were there. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was cooperate. And you know, talk about what you just said. Going to the media, we're going to spend a half an hour on this in front of a large audience. Why does Air Canada need that? Uh, publicity. Well, I guess they don't care enough to not get that publicity. Well, and the other thing is, is this is a regulation, right? I mean, like, if you have a problem with yep. it, then you can go ahead and challenge it. But it's a regulation that stands today, so you better be abiding by it. Yeah. But I do think it's, I, I, do, I must say, I said it earlier, I, I repeat, I do think it's a little bit limp and lame for the feds to say, well, you know, call CTA and sing your blues to them. I know because you, know, they, you because the skepticism, the consumer skepticism, automatically comes in when you hear that. You think, okay, that's going to be a waste of an hour that I'm going to be on on a phone line and then on hold while they transfer it to a supervisor, and I may or may not get any uh, kind of resolution. Right, and they'll open a file now. Or Canada's got a file. They will by the time I see any money. So there's your, that's just. I mean, if you brought in the regulations, have the guts to levy some fines. Exactly. We're with our Zoomer squad today. It's a live family day fight back. Jane for Libby, along with David Kravitz and Marissa Lennox. And we've got Paul on the line in Toronto. Paul, what would you like to add to this conversation? Well, I just want to say we, we were recently on a flight from uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Toronto, and we got delayed over seven hours in Florida, similar to what you were saying, Jane. Uh, it was related to crew. Uh, of course, uh, nothing of our doing, but Air Canada has offered us uh, a 15% voucher uh, for future business. My issue with that is that I was inconvenienced uh, last month 
I should be compensated on the business that I paid for uh, and monies that they received uh, in January. Uh, it's my option uh, to fly next time with another carrier or another airline. Uh, but what they do is they give you this uh, compensation saying, sure, we're going to give you 15%. But in order for me to get that 15%, Jane, I got to go out and spend another seven, eight hundred yes. and fifty $850. And that's wrong because I want compensation on what they messed up for in January, not a year from now. And, and by the way, those, those certificates have an expiry on them. So I told them, thanks, but no thanks. You can keep them because I have no interest in them. I want compensation now because they've ruined, they've ruined our schedule. Yeah. Well, that's certainly, Paul, thank you for calling. That certainly voices the frustration that so many of us feel. Uh, as a final thought on this before, and we're still going to talk about air travel, but a different uh, issue around a uh, type of turbulence on board. Uh, but David, your final thoughts on that? Well, I think Paul made a very good point. Uh, you know, here's a discount on future business that you have to do with us, future tense versus what you lost past that. That's right. You have to spend money to get any yeah, kind of rebate. Yeah, you want to get a little bit of money, give us some more business. Yes. And, you know, it's not really compensation. Uh, Paul should have gotten a check. We can debate how much, when, how, you know. But, but uh, you know, we'll give you a discount if you, if you fly with us again. Uh, thank you, but what about what happened last time? And it, it, I, I think that's, I think he's completely correct. Marissa? I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with David. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, okay, now to an air travel issue of a different kind. You may have seen the viral video of a man in the last row of an aircraft punching the seat in front of him when the passenger sitting in that seat reclined her chair. This brings about the topic of what is the etiquette around reclining in flight. And your calls are welcome, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Marissa, the CEO of Delta Airlines, suggests passengers should recline with permission. Turn around and ask the person behind you if it's okay. Your thoughts on that? So, first of all, I found the behavior of the man punching the seat reprehensible, but I found the behavior of the CEO or the comments coming from the CEO worse, if you can imagine. Airline costs seem to be going up. Seats are getting smaller. There's less leg room. There's less space between seats. Uh, We're talking like fewer than 30 inches. It's quite uncomfortable. Um, But at least we have the right to be able to recline our seats. I can tell you I've never turned around and asked uh, if I needed to recline my seat. I don't often because, you know, I I understand it's getting it gets snug, um, but then that person can recline their seat and everyone can then go ahead and recline their seat. So, you know, I just think it's rich coming from a CEO who's never flown probably economy in his entire life. Mm-hmm. And David, the, that I mean, that's another point as well, is that there, the, the amount of space between seats has been reduced to the point where some people can't even fit their knees in between their seat well, and the person in front of them, yeah. let alone dealing with somebody reclining into their space. Well, at the risk of being the old curmudgeon in the group, I don't have any sympathy with either of them. Um, that's the product. Don't fly. The product is this. This is what they're offering. This is how big the seats are. 
he's sitting in the back where he cannot recline. I don't think the problem would have been, uh, I think his actions would have been much more uh, worthy of condemnation if he'd been in a seat that, where he could have reclined. Mm-hmm. It was just a fluke that he was in the very back row. So he's stuck and he can't recline. And she does recline sort of right into his face. And I think that she, and now in her favor, she said she didn't recline during the meal. She did ask him, and then afterwards she did. But you know what? When you get right down to it, I don't think this is a big deal. Sorry, but I don't think this is a big, deep philosophical issue. I think act like an adult or don't act like an adult. There's a million other circumstances that can be just as bad. I've seen stuff on trains. I've seen stuff on buses. Uh, there's no defense against people that want to be unreasonable. And uh, um, the airlines, uh, you know, the, the CEOs, I agree with Marissa on the ridiculousness of what the CEO said, but that's the product he's putting out into the market. And if he's able to get um, people to buy it, they're good for him. I've been but I actually I'm, don't sorry. think it's unre- I don't think it is unreasonable for her to recline her seat. I mean, they recline, what, two inches? Mm-hmm. They barely recline. I don't think it's unreasonable at all. We, I was on a flight recently where none of the seats in coach reclined, and that kind of evened out uh, any sort of disparity that might come up. No, they recline more than two inches. If, if she's going to take it all the way back, she's definitely, uh, he's definitely in an uncomfortable position. And what should she have done with the punching of the seat behind her? I, I found it hard to believe that she endured that without having a conversation at some point. Although maybe she did, you know, we're only seeing a portion of the interaction. Well, she did the right thing. She recorded it and she brought it to the media. And I understand, actually, that the flight attendant threatened her at one point um, because she she was recording the incident. So, uh, I mean, I think it's I think this whole situation is horrible. It's a lose lose, really, because it's an inferior. It's becoming an inferior product and a very. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're really herded like cattle. I mean, the waiting rooms, the the lineup to get on, the uh, try to get off the plane when it lands, and you've got everybody going into the overhead, you know, luggage compartment. The whole thing is just completely uh, unpleasant from start to finish if you're flying coach. But as I said, the air, the industry has decided to go to market with that product. The consumer isn't really... Uh, resisting enough to make the industry change its mind. And um, for those few minutes out of his life, I think he was definitely wrong to punch her uh, the back of the seat, but she was kind of unthinking that this poor guy stuck back there with a hard wall behind him. He can't recline. Yeah. Maybe I can meet him halfway, you know, and recline during the meal or after, whatever it was. But and back to an earlier point. couldn't work it out, too. The fact is just two adults could not work it well, out. Well, exactly. And, and uh, you know, to my earlier uh, thoughts about uh, the amount of space in the seats, once upon a time when air travel was luxurious and we were served with china and, and real cutlery, uh, there was more space. So when a person leaned back, it wasn't intrusive the way it is now. Well, and remember... Remember, they used to serve you a meal in economy. Can you, you remember those days? Now you have to pay for everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much you have to pay for everything. But That's no right. Pay for no a snack. You have to pay for a bag of pretzels. Yes. Yeah. That's no right. airline is doing it right. All airlines, I mean, Air Canada Rouge is frighteningly small. And you are lined people up with rows of three with very little space in between seats. Um, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, there's a, there's a lack of alternatives for people. 
Now, I just want to, do we have time for one more topic? Go for it. (laughs) All right. Uh, From air passenger rights to tenant rights, a story on the front of the Toronto Star today got me thinking about this. Uh, Many elderly people on fixed incomes are living in rental units, as we know, and perhaps aren't sure about their rights in the situation where a landlord or partial landlord tries to evict tenants for renovations or for moving into the unit himself or for a family member. Marissa, could we recap uh, what the rights of tenants are in this situation? Sure. Well, uh, so basically, um, what the landlord seems to be seem to be using is this this category called no fault evictions. Um, and so the landlords, there seems to be a disturbing trend where landlords looking to capitalize sort of on the province's housing shortage are hiking their prices and they are kicking a, a tenant out, not because they're squatters or because they're not paying their rent or because they're um, rowdy, but rather for, for, for a reason called no-fault evictions. And there, and there are really two categories for this. The first is um, a landlord is, is uh, saying, well, you need to, we need to evict you because I'm, I'm either going to take possession of this and live in it or a family member is going to be moving in. And the second, which is more likely, is they claim that they're going to be doing renovations or repairs to, to the property. Um, and then this is really a landlord's opportunity to basically throw some paint on the wall and change a new tenant with much higher rates. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a law um, that is meant to protect pen- tenants in this case by allowing them to reoccupy the space once uh, the renos are done, but that doesn't really seem to be happening, um, and it's really hard to enforce it. But in either case, this can only be done at the end of the lease period, right? Uh, yes, if you're in a... If you you're in can't a, walk in in the middle of your lease and throw you out. Well, what happens, most tenants often sign a one-year lease. I mean, I, the truth is I don't know, but most tenants will sign a one-year lease and then it's sort of month to month after that. And that's really the case with a lot of these long-term tenants. Look, I'm not saying that all landlords, by the way, are rapacious sharks. I think the laws need to be there to protect them too. Mm-hmm. So where someone isn't paying their rent... Um, then uh, there, there actually ought to be better leg- legislation in place or laws in place that protect the landlord in that case, because I've heard of some people squatting in, in, in rental units for six months before they were finally kicked out, and that has a real cost to the landlord. But on the other hand, you know, we do see this trend um, that seems to be really, dis- that is really, it's not, it is disturbing. It is a disturbing trend where landlords really are just looking to hike their, hike their rental um, unit uh, prices well, yeah, the, because of the shortage in the in the market. And the flip side, if I may just add, it wasn't part of the original story, is you get situations in New York now where you have very strict rent controls, where the landlords just cease to uh, improve the property at all. Because if you can't recoup, um, you know, some units, some very old units in New York City need $100,000 worth of work. And uh, how, when's he going to get that money back at an increase of 1% a year over what it was last year? So the unintended consequence of rent control is as a disincentive to landlords to maintain uh, the property. So you have, it seems like it's a very uh, tough situation on both ends because you're distorting uh, the normal supply and demand, and then you're, you're driving people into sort of, uh, I won't say atypical, but, you know, deliberately 
deliberate behavior that's advantageous only to them. Right. And I just uh, one more question before we wrap up today with our Zoomer squad. Uh, oftentimes, tenants cannot afford representation uh, when they're forced to leave. If a tenant really believes that um, the pretenses for them being evicted are not sincere, what low-cost options are out there? Marissa, is this more in your Sure. Well, they they can represent themselves, so they can complain to the Ontario. In Ontario, they complain to the landlord and tenant board. Um, a majority do, in fact, show up without representation because representation can be very expensive. Um, and we, but the thing is, is that the Ontario's landlord and tenant board has had a sharp rise in applications, and nothing happens quickly there. Okay. Well, I thank you both for your time on this family day for spending a little bit of time with your Zoomer Radio family. Thanks, Jane. Okay, Thanks, thank Jane. you. Have a good one. Take yeah, care. you too. David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media, and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP, A New Vision of Aging. For more on CARP's advocacy, go online anytime to carp.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.